0: skiff meetings podcast my name is me and i'm the editor-in-chief of skiff meetings and in this episode i have the pleasure of speaking with my friend amana armstrong senior vice president communications and industry relations at encore in this episode we start by talking about the tremendous opportunities available to event professionals through volunteering we talk about career mapping and how it comes down to the intersection of passion and impact We talk about Amanda's new appreciation for the complexity of audiovisual operations since she started at Encore almost two years ago. We talk about how event design and strategy complement audiovisual production. And we talk about why creating belonging in the workplace is important. We also talk about why event professionals need to be in tune with human nature and the importance of being an ever learner in our career progression. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation and don't forget to check out the other episodes of our podcast and now for a word from our sponsors phl life sciences a division of the philadelphia convention and visitors bureau Welcome to today's episode of the Skiff Meetings podcast. And today I am delighted to have my friend Amanda Armstrong join us at Skiff Meetings at the podcast.
1: Hi, Miguel. Nice to be on your podcast. Long time listener.
0: Oh, thank you very much. I just learned that. So I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. So, Amanda, we've known each other for a little while, quite a few years, you're now Senior Vice President, Communications and Industry Relations at Encore, so congratulations. I think it's been about a year now, or just over a year, right?
1: Yeah, I'm coming up on two years in January, so um, yeah, a lot of reflection, but yeah, it's been good getting through my second year. I feel like that's always, first year is just fire hose, and the second year you're actually seeing the impact, so yeah, um, two years in January.
0: Excellent. So would love you to start by just telling us a little bit about your your history, your story, your 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 journey so far if you will. Uh, and I'd love to understand the first moment when you kind of understood the events industry, understood business events as a as an industry, as a thing. And maybe that was in college, maybe that was before. I think for a lot of people it comes uh, somewhat naturally but not necessarily a, a sort of obvious route. So um, start wherever you'd like to start.
1: Oh, I love it. Um, No, it definitely was college. So I think you know that I'm from Colorado originally. And um, yeah, and I grew up there. And so when I decided to go to University of Colorado, which is where my dad also went, so a little bit of family pressure, I went thinking, how can I create some micro communities at this really large university? And so I joined the CU Snowboarding and Skiers Club, um, which had thousands of members and was going to their annual you know their monthly meetings you know learning about different ski equipment and the resorts and watching warren miller films and um you know just making friends and then i found out there was a spot open on their board of directors and i was like what's that um, it was volunteer and, um, and it was organizing basically chapter events and their membership. And so started getting into that. I mean, you know, it wasn't altruistic. They paid us in season passes at ski resorts. So um, definitely, you know, there was a payout there, but we started organizing trips um, over Thanksgiving break, Christmas, you know, the holiday break, um, spring break for hundreds of skiers and snowboarders. Put them on buses and send them to Utah, Wyoming, Montana, all over. And we'd organize everything from, you know, the meals to the accommodations to the activities, the ski passes. Um, so we were managing P&Ls and, um, and registrations. And um, and that was kind of my first at, at 18, um, my first access into events and really experiential events, um, you know, and it was great. And I, I've been addicted ever since.
0: That's quite a, a well, I love it how you went from sort of School trips and, and kind of something that sounds like a lot of fun to the PLs and sort of got got quite serious quite quickly there, right?
1: Yeah, we did. I mean, honestly, like you think about it now, the liability—I can't even believe the university let us do what we were doing, taking a ton of underage students off campus um, to do who knows what with a lot of beer and skiing and après ski. But we were signing contracts, you know, with um, you know accommodations we would rent out huge condo complexes um, where we would have six people in a room and so um, yeah there was we had to know our contract negotiation we had to negotiate we bought a lot of insurance um, so you know it sounds a lot of fun but as most event organizers know there's a lot of risk liability emergency planning and also problem solving along alongside all of these really fun ideas uh, when you start to to plan and orchestrate an event
0: so then, take us through your your career after that. You you then uh, I know you spent a lot of time at enterprise, but you you had a few other jobs in between, right?
1: I did, yeah. So um, you know, after college, the ski bug was in me, so I moved to Santiago, Chile, for to work for Portillo ski resorts, which the job never really manifested. I was going to be backcountry, but they had a bad ski season, and so we ended up my um, my ski buddy and I we just got jobs in Santiago, and I worked for a newspaper. The Santiago Times down there because my degree was in international relations. So it fit and I wanted to, you know, better my Spanish. Um, And then I met, you know, someone that worked in the luxury travel industry and he um, was there on a trip and said, hey, there's this company in St. Louis, Missouri called Intrav and they hire kind of, you know, operations and logistics logistics specialists and they send you all over the world. It sounds, you know, glamorous, but really it's just a lot of, you know, pre-planning and site visits and advancing. And and um, and I said, you know, that sex sounds a heck of a lot better than grad school. So i deferred and um and and moved to St. Louis, sight unseen, really. And I was with a, a luxury tra- travel company there for five years. Um, and and they sent me all over the world. It was an amazing experience. Um, again, lots of logistics, contract negotiations with airlines. River boats in Europe. Um, I ended up at the North Pole on a nuclear icebreaker from Russia, um, went to Antarctica, all over Africa. I mean, it was an incredible experience um, and taught me a ton uh, about working internationally and also in different cultures and designing experiences, you know, for groups um, of all different interests uh, and all over the place. So that was that was after college. Um, and it was amazing, uh, but it was a ton of travel. And so I was looking for another gig that was less travel and more domestic. And that's when I, um, moved into enterprise RACAR and I was there for 14 years. Um, and it was an incredible experience there building a team and, um, orchestrating their, their international and national meetings, mostly internal. Um, and then moving on to, to really start up their global travel program, their transient travel program which was somewhat disorganized and so we got that everybody to be compliant and everybody all in one program and so yeah they enterprise was great they gave me a lot of different things to do over the course of 14 years which satisfied my urge to learn and be curious and kind of stay on top of my skills
0: a lot of room for growth there it's a a big company right so a lot of a lot of different areas if you think back to those fourteen years um is there is there one or more events that really stand out for you in terms of something that you were able to achieve or, or some kind of really interesting design that, that you were able to, to do uh, on your initiative?
1: You, you know, it was probably the, one of the very first large events that I did with them. Um, and it was their daily rental meeting. It's, it's usually in Orlando every year in the springtime and uh, it's bringing all of the rental managers into um into one place over five it's seven it's like with seven thousand six hundred attendees so it's over the course of three days five different hotels so the logistics and managing you know, over, you know, 50 buses bring people to and fro and, and all of the, you know, the, the simultaneous general sessions, um, the breakouts. I I mean, it was just, it was a big puzzle to solve for. And, um, and it was really great, um, actually seeing how we came together and it was completely staffed internally, which I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, we used a DMC, Um, Hello, which of course is still a partner um, with Enterprise and also a a partner of mine. Um, And, and Paul Mears and his team were fantastic. And they just, it was, it was great to see that many young professionals come together, network, connect, learn, be recognized. Um, and and it was a lot. It was a lot for our internal team to handle. And we used administrative assistance from all over the country to fly in and help us with registration and, and all the on site um, things that we needed. So there was a lot of training. And, but I love that. I love that we were using internal resources. It gave it a lot of company pride in doing that. So I, that was fun. So I think that was one of the biggest things. And of course, we had a we had the fun part was, you know, we rented out, um, you know, we rented, out, I think it was like downtown Disney one night and we had concerts and we had um, the beaches of the world beach party all over the golf course at the, at the Marriott world center. And we had a pub crawl within all the ballroom spaces and design different, um, you know, different types of environments for, for people to walk around internally. So we just did a lot of fun, creative stuff in the evenings, but I really loved the 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 logistics and the people movement and the programming and just the event design of it for that many people.
0: Love it. And and simultaneous with all this, uh, I think we met really through MPI, uh, and you were on the board, and then eventually you were chair for for uh, quite a quite an interesting period of MPI. So take us through that sort of volunteer leadership journey for you.
1: Well, I, you know, I'm glad that you raised it because it really was career defining for me. And so I would say if anybody's listening and thinking, you know, gosh, how do you, you know, how do you decide what you want to do or how do you upskill or how do you do something outside of your job responsibilities? I mean, I really do feel like volunteerism is the way to do it. Um, I had gotten a job before the enterprise job. And I realized that I kind of oversold myself a little bit in the interview in certain areas. And so I had kind of a, oh, no, um, I need more training. And so I reached out to the local chapter um, in St. Louis uh, of MPI and I started attending their meetings and then got involved in their local chapter leadership program, which was just great networking for me to meet some peers. And we had a phrase then, you know, you buy MPI. And so a lot of the suppliers um, were a part of that chapter and I got to know them as people. And you know, our industry, Miguel, we do, it's a relationship based industry, You develop a lot of trust with people, you want to know their values, because when you have an event, I mean, that's your baby, that's your Super Bowl, like everything's resting on that. So you need to know that people have your back. Um, And so, yeah, I just started doing more business with the suppliers in that chapter. And and then all of a sudden, um, St. Louis was selected to host WEC. And so Kitty Ratcliffe, who is a dear friend and longtime mentor of mine, asked me to co-chair. And so that was great because I got exposure you know, to MPI far beyond a local chapter level. And that really opened my eyes and really made me grow as a leader. Um, and then I raised my hand to apply for the board of directors, and that's where we met. Um, and I was on the board for seven years, which, um, which is crazy looking back. Uh, but I started off as just a board member and then raised my hand for um, you know, the vice president of finance um, because we were looking at different revenue models as an association and we ended up acquiring Plan Your Meeting and I'd never done anything like that. So it was great learning. And again, this is all volunteer, right? Outside of my job responsibilities at Enterprise who was incredibly supportive of me growing in this way. Um, but I mean, who gets exposed to, you know, mergers and acquisitions, you know, as in their early thirties if you're not sitting in Wall Street or, you know, in, in in finance. So that was really cool. And yeah, and then I was asked to um serve as the chair. And so I um I had three years as the well, it's chair elect, then the chair, and then I had two years as the past chair because COVID hit. And so Steve O'Malley decided to see, Paul asked Steve O'Malley, Paul van de the CEO of MPI, asked Steve O'Malley, the current chair, to stay on and me to stay on just for continuity because so much was happening. So, yeah, that that, um, you know, three year board commitment turned into seven overnight, uh, which which I'm grateful for because there's so much learning there. And um, and it really did. I the friendships too. I still everybody on our board, including you. I still have such great memories, and and also really, um, really res- a lot of respect for the leaders um, that I served on the board with, and 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 still do to this day.
0: So tell me a little bit about the jump to Encore. Um, obviously, Encore is a massive company, big player in the space. I think nobody would uh, would argue with being the the largest AV company in the world. Of course, do other things as well. Um, but it does seem like an interesting jump because, yeah. you know, Encore is such a big company planning role, you know, very, you know, MPI chair, et cetera. And then jumping onto the AV world in somewhat of a sales role, not a full sales role, like a lot of different angles to that. But I'd like to hear that from you.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, I think, um, and this, I'm sure everyone has gone through a moment in their career where they're like, "Okay, you know, what's next? What am I doing?" And um, and I feel like that's one thing that I really want to highlight. I feel like when you're thinking about your career journey or career mapping, um, to me, it comes down to the intersection of passion and impact, and. And I think that that's a hard target to find because it's always moving. You know, if you're looking at yourself and, and analyzing kind of what, what is your passion, so aka what brings you joy... Um, and then, what is your impact? Uh, well, what brings you joy might change. Obviously, it did for me. I mean, international travel, um, you know, well, skiing adventures to international travel to organizing large corporate meetings like, all of that brought me a lot of joy. So, it, it does evolve. So, you got to kind of keep an eye on that. And then, also, the impact you have is directly related to your skills and experience um, and how you can drive results. And that's going to change too, based off of what you're doing, you know, what you're around, what you're learning. Um, And so I feel like it's a moving target, and I think during COVID, it was a real time of reflection for me when the two things that I love the most, um, outside of friends and family, of course, um, are meetings and travel. And it was illegal to do both. So I think it was a real shakeup. And I think, um, you know, obviously the whole industry um, was really kind of demolished, and then we were starting to rebuild. And in that moment, I said, what role do I want to play in rebuilding our industry? And of course, I still love enterprise and I'm completely loyal, I'm incredible leaders there. Um, my old team, um, a lot of the employees, um, and our mission, the mission and vision of the company is so strong as well as the family ownership. So nothing wrong there, but they're a mobility company. And so I thought if I'm going to have an impact, I really need to move into a company that is hundred percent centered around the events industry. That's where I'm going to have the most impact in this next chapter. And the need was a rebuild. Um, and my passion was still the same, you know, connecting and inspiring people through events. Um, which is actually the mission of Encore. So it was kind of a perfect match when I started to look at what they were trying, what what their mission and purpose is as a company, but then also where were they in their journey? And they were looking to rebuild differently. And when I kind of dug into that, um, it was things, it was values that were really important to me around DE&I, um, around bringing more women into audiovisual and tech. That was important to me on creating a different culture um, that's more inclusive, that's centered around belonging. Um, you know, they, they were leveled in the pandemic, and, um, you know, I think they were down to just over, or maybe around 2,000 employees, um, down from 12,000 at one point. So you can imagine when events started to come back, the hiring that they've done in the last year, I think it's over 6,000 now just in the last 18 months. Just to get back up to speed, and that's a real opportunity to set culture and to focus on initiatives internally. And like I said, um, you know, you know, the inclusive and, um, uh, and workplace was important as well as a diverse workforce was important to me. And so it really just started to align on my passion, my impact, and um, my values.
0: So has this made it easier for you to explain to your family and friends that aren't in the industry? <laughs> what it is you do
1: yeah, you know it depends on the day so i think so um um i do think being a part of encore um you know and they immediately went to the website and saw oh wow you know you guys are more than just um a technology company you're an audio visual you you do event design um, you do event strategy. Uh, you do production. Um, you know you you have solutions for for your customers, and I'm like, we absolutely do. So I think they now see the bigger picture. I think when I was at Enterprise, the stories that I would tell were mostly you know, and it's the ones that all you event professionals know. It's kind of the the big the big wins and also the big nightmares. And so I think my family was like, we we know she brings a lot of people together. There's always issues, especially the one time when there was the hurricane in Florida and we had to evacuate 700 people um, out of Orlando. Um, and uh, so we luckily put them in rental cars and, um, and we got our fleet out and we got our people out. But that was a really stressful 36 hours. So I think for a while, my family thought that I was somehow involved in evacuations um, and uh, from events. But yes, I do think, Miguel, it helps now um, letting people know that, you know, you know, the company that I'm a part of is really solutions end to end solutions for for meeting planners, um, whether you're doing breakouts at a hotel or you're organizing something much larger for thousands of people, we will provide the solutions there and. Um, and working in, in my department, which is marketing and being over communications and industry relations, um, you know, is is really rewarding for me. So I'm not doing the logistics and operations anymore. Um, I do a little bit with industry relations, which is fun, um, but yeah, I'm out of that ops role now and, and more sitting on the corporate side.
0: You miss the ops role?
1: Of course, I think when you are, um, that's all I've done. You know, it's, I think I love the thrills Um, I I love the planning. I love the teamwork. I love seeing your work manifest around you. Um, I think that's a a big thing. I think that's a big motivator why so many event professionals do the job we do is because we actually get to see all the hard work happen um, and be a part of it, feel the energy, um, see how attendees feel included and are inspired and you, you see their faces. And so it makes the late nights and the last minute changes and the problem solving all worth it when you're on site and you get to see it all manifest.
0: So almost two years with Encore. curious about how you look at audiovisuals and production today compared to how you looked at it in your previous role or in the life before working for an audiovisual production company.
1: Yeah, so that's that's a great question. I mean, for me. I always knew that it was complex. Um, you know, we used several um audio-visual providers um, and production providers at enterprise um, a- along my 14 year journey. So, and they were an extension of our team. Um, they were family to us because they had our back and there was always, you know, there's always issues with technology. So I always knew it was complex. I think, um, being a part of such a large organization, you know, with over 10,000 employees at this point across multiple countries um, just the, the, Enormity of you know our warehouses, our equipment, transportation. You know the the way we get equipment from place to place, the the training involved. Um, Encore University is top notch as far as employee training um, that I've seen, and um, and and you know I've been around um, you know with my service and you know the with the associations. Uh, it really is preparing our team members for a career, um, and and it's more than just tech. Um, videos and training, its leadership and communication styles. I mean, you really can have a career at Encore, and I, I think that that piece of it I never knew. I, I mean, I knew there was training, but I didn't know the investment um, that this company was making in its team members for the long haul, and um, and that's I, I, it was something that opened my eyes, and and also also you know to the 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 buying for the supply chain of you know how much equipment we buy and um and and how to keep it organized and and, and tagging it and shipping it and um there's there's a whole you know logistics piece behind supply chain and, and equipment management that um is you know i i always knew it existed but you know now i know much more um about operating a business of this size so i think the complexity is, is the, is what I, you know, really opened my eyes to, um, and then also the level of training, um, that is for our professionals. I, you know, I, I really have a heart, a a, a, a larger respect um, for them as individuals because i i always knew our audio our a1 as we call it our audio one or our video one guys it's like i knew that they'd been doing their jobs for for many years but um the technical expertise that they need um, to know all the equipment to know the latest and greatest and also to problem solve on site that's years and years of technical training and um, it's it's nice to know a little bit more about it um, having sat through some of those courses just to get better knowledge myself.
0: for sitting through the courses. I'm sure that was uh, eye-opening <laughs> in many ways. Just so, a few.
1: To keep me honest, Miguel. I, just a few. When I was onboarding, I'm like, I should get in here and start learning because I wanted to have the proper terminology um, just to be legit when I was on site.
0: I like it. As, as a as a previous AV uh, kind of worker myself, I think I'm my knowledge is probably 20 years out of date now. So I probably could use <laughs> a few of those courses. But I, you're also a, a certified event designer. And I know that's part of uh, what Encore does and I guess I wanted to kind of ask about how much of how much event design is really involved with, with Encore and, and how much do you, you know what kind of teams do you have involved in that uh, how does that work because I imagine the you know, the equipment the artificial is the bulk uh, but event design is obviously an important part of it as well
1: Absolutely. So I think um, this, you know, this was this division was stood up before I obviously came came aboard just two years ago, Um, but it's led by Christine Kiesling and um, and she has a team of event uh, strategists. Um, and and basically they do, um, it's not the bulk of what we do. I think it came up because we're listening to our customers, right? And our customers, as their events grow, they're like, you know what? I've got a new challenge. I've got, you know, I don't know, a, a, a new CEO or some new stakeholders, or we just acquired a company. And so our event can't be what it was last year, which is a, which is Bravo for everyone out there who is planning an event, not to do the copy paste um, of your event plan, but actually go into your event thinking thinking, what's changed? Um, what's relevant? What are the new um, objectives and goals? And, um, and 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 start there. Not a lot of people have the skills um, or the time to do it. So we heard from our customers, we need help with event strategy. This division was stood up. We have event strategists that are certified and they go in and, and they help with that. And events are complicated. Um, it's We do stakeholder mapping. Um, there's many stakeholders in event. It's not just the sales team and the executive leadership, um, and they encourage you to look beyond. It's not buyers and suppliers, but it could be, uh, you know, a attendee that's an award winner, first time attendee back from maternity leave that's neurodivergent and English is a second language so that's your that's one of your attendee profiles and so i think it's so important that when you're doing this mapping that you think about for your event to be successful you need to not just balance you know the roi of it but you also need to be looking at your attendees and thinking about what how can we customize and personalize this event so that they feel included they feel like they belong and they feel like they can connect because if they don't feel like they're included and they belong, then they're not going to connect. They're not going to take away what you're co- hoping to create, whether it's the retention of information or, you know, assimilate, you know, like adopting a new culture or networking or even selling. Um, if they don't feel like the, the, the event is for them, I, I think that the, you're going to notice a lot less engagement. And so that's kind of, to me, kind of money down the drain.
0: That's a considered approach um lots lots to unpack there but wanted to cover a little bit about what you said about di yeah. um and 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 i mean audiovisual as far as i understand it is is one area or one of the few areas in the meetings industry that's very male dominated right it so is. the equipment the production the driving the transportation all that it's very uh but you mentioned this role of women in av I know we've had Anka Trifan on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. She's an AV person that's also kind of talking a lot about the role of women in AV and really trying to lift them up. Um What are you doing about it at Encore? How does it work? I mean, I, I understand the advantage of a diverse workforce across any industry, but this is a very male-driven industry. How do you deal with that And and how do you see the future of that?
1: Yeah, so hats off to our HR team. I think this was something as we, when I mentioned before, as we were building back, um, we wanted the workforce to look differently, not just at Encore as far as our our DE and IB goals, which by the way, at DE and I, we added the B because we feel like that's the result of diversity, equity, inclusion. You feel like you belong. So we are DE and IB. We have a DE and IB strategy now. Um, But, you know, going back to that, I think that we the HR team knew, let's build back, let's build back differently. We want more women. And so what are some of the things that are the obstacles for women coming back into, coming into our environment um, as far as, you know, where we, where we sit? And I think one of them was just a lack of knowledge. And um, I don't know if you've read um, any of the, articles out there about what prevents sometimes women from throwing from a new position or applying for a job is that many women want to have all the box checks. And I've been one of those where I've said, okay, I don't have all the skills. So I'm going to skill up until I get 10 out of 10. And where many of our male counterparts sometimes say, I've got six out of 10, I'm going to go for it. And so one of the things is let's get technical training out there. And so we have technical training on our website for free. Um, and it's, 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 Certification that you can take, anyone can take, and we've dealt. It's called the Introduction to Event Technology, and it's designed to provide kind of a high level overview, outlining the processes needed for administering tech support and to transforming kind of an event and utilizing AV equipment. And so um, we've, uh, it's it's out there. It's part of our Wave Program, which is Women in Audiovisual and Events, um, where we're trying to create a community. Um, internally and externally. And so that internal pieces, you know, once you take the training and once you're hired, you're part of the WAVE program where we offer networking, we offer mentorship, um, and and within certain cities there's WAVE events. Um, virtually there's WAVE events to kind of create a community for women new to audiovisual. Um, and and it's going really well. I mean we're probably in our first we're in our first year. Um, but I think um, of the technical hires that we've made in, in 2019, it was about 11% and we're up 3%. So we've got 14% of the technical hires are female. So we're, we're making our way. We're not there yet, but this takes a while. Um, and, uh, but it is, it is an increase and we're pretty proud of that.
0: I think all increases are, are uh, valuable and, and, and you know always going in, in that direction. What about pay equity? I know you mentioned that earlier and are you making sure that there is pay equity across the company?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, hats off to HR on this one, because when I was hired in, um, I did ask some questions about that, which would be some advice I, I have to anybody that's thinking about a career change. Um, you know, when, when you're looking, it's really important to ask the right questions. I mean, the first thing I did was I looked at the website, um, you know, uh, as far as, okay, are there women in executive positions? And, and there are, um, you know, our, our CMO, our CFO, Um, are both women. Um, Myself, our head of of commercial is a woman, our head of production is a woman, all SVPs. Um, We just hired uh, uh, our center of excellence who's standing that up. So really diverse. So that's a good sign to see. And then when I got into the interview, um, you know, I was asking really about their DE and IB strategy. You know, do you have goals? Do you have targets? And they did so, um, and they were resourcing it. And then I did ask, you know, um, how how do you you know ensure pay equity at your organization? Um, and these are questions that you know aren't easy ones. Um, but um, come to find out, having worked there, we actually do several different checks throughout the year. Um, and and so the first one, obviously, is you know at the hiring. Um, You know, looking to the market to see what is the market range. So that's one. Then it's in the review process. Um, So uh, the HR team looks across the whole organization to make sure that um, people are paid, you know, according to their skill set, their title, their level, that it's all equal. Um, And then there's another audit, too, when we budget. And we're thinking about, you know, do are these positions? Do we need to be paying more for them based off the market, and and making sure to keep the equity there? So um, several checks and balances throughout the year, um, and and the the team that does it. I mean, I I've, I've seen the data, and it's down to like the hundredth decimal <laughs> that they're measuring this. So they are very diligent, and um and it's important, um you know, because because pay equity is is definitely something that you. It is we're still struggling with it. I think um, from from a global perspective, as far as men versus women, um, but I I do think corporations can do a lot there with their due diligence in their process.
0: It sounds like you're covering a lot of areas already. They're so so uh, impressive stuff. So thank you for sharing. I know you also uh, received an award recently from Great Places to Work. Um, I think I, I imagine these things are connected, right?
1: Yeah, they are. So. um, So, yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with the organization, but um, it is it's a it's a third party, which. So the reason why I think that this is important or it's impressive to me is that, you know, when when you are thinking about a career change or you're moving into a different company, um, I think it's really hard to understand company culture. Um, and, and so, you know, you do your due diligence and maybe ask people who've worked there or working there now or get on Glassdoor or whatever you want to do. But I, I think that having a third party that sends a, a survey that measures you against metrics outside your organization on where you sit and then having a leadership team commit to raising the bar each year, um, that's that's really powerful um, having that. And so I think last year we did it for the first time and. You know of course we were a little nervous we we're building back from the pandemic events were crazy volume the demand was insane um, and we got certified uh, and so we were thrilled we got access to all the survey results we went through them each department is given theirs um, we're challenged to go and, and pick a couple areas to to have year over year percentage growth in those scores Um, And then so just, yeah, this fall, we got our second Great Place to Work certification, and we were recognized in actually more countries, seven now. So it would be Australia, um, Austria, Canada, and Mexico, um, New Zealand, UAE, and the U.S. And so, and that grew from last year. So um, we were really excited about it, and and it's a great way. It's a good anchoring principle, which is one of our strategic pillars for next year. Is to be creating a great place to work for all. That's one of our pillars, and so all of our plans need to have something around that. Um, you know, around leadership, around retention, uh, around teamwork and communication, um, all the big things that make a place great to work.
0: But I think that's uh, that's a nice way to bring things together, right? Because you've working on all these different initiatives, but ultimately, it's a result you want, right? That belonging that having a great place to work is, you know, the end result that you're looking for. So I, I, you must be proud.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's 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 leading to what I mentioned before is the belonging, right? Um, that's the outcome that we want our team members to feel. And as leaders, um, you know, I think it's our job to make sure that we are creating a sense of belonging in the workplace. And there's a lot that goes into that. Um, but it makes sense for us to do it internally because we're really trying to do that externally with our attendees because um, we want them to come together and feel belonging. So I think you've got to do it in both places. Um, and I think internally I've always, I've been impressed with, we have employee resource groups. We call them BRGs, but it's an employee resource group. Um, and and we've we've got several of those to have those micro communities like the wave community. Um, and, and that does help, I think, create a sense of belonging at a big corporation. And it's also what we're seeing in some event design is creating those micro communities at large events. So you can find your people and you can connect on topics or values or challenges that you have in common. And that just makes your event experience also
0: more rewarding i love that you're trying to kind of do what you do for your clients but also internally i think that that makes a lot of sense so i want to go kind of bigger picture now Uh, i want to talk about kind of how you're seeing the industry right now obviously it's uh still a bit of a transition period still trying to figure out what the new reality looks like but are you seeing any challenges that maybe we should be paying more attention to than we are
1: Yes. Um, I mean, just, you know, workforce, really. I mean, that to me is what just keeps popping up. Um, You know, the strikes that were in L.A. I'm based in Southern California and San Diego. And so our neighbors to the north were really struggling with that. Um, And then also we just, you know, what was going on in in um, Las Vegas, you know, with the casino teams um, and and their negotiations, I really think that we need to be paying attention to workforce issues um, because it's so disrupting for all of us that are kind of working in the events industry when um, there are strikes. Um, so you know, the way I kind of think about it is, you know, we really need to be serious about recruiting top talent and, um, and, and, and retaining them for the long term. Um, and that'll be key for our industry's prosperity, in my opinion. Um, so, and, you know, how do you do that? I mean, we've taken a look at, you know, I think looking at the new value system and adapting to how we work, And when we work and why we work and making sure that we're relevant to our team's needs. So to me, you know, we need to be advocates of the events that they can transform organizations. And we're looking about how we can build those micro communities that I mentioned. Um, And and yeah, I think that's that's the way that we retain them. Um, But then I also think we need to recognize their skills um, and pay them, you know, what they're, um, you know, a fair and equitable wage so that they really feel like there is a career path in the industry. Um, because I do think that, that, that pay, that equity, that work-life balance, all of those things come into factor in our industry. And, and if we value their talent and their skills, um, we need to be paying attention to, to what they value and, and what they want in a, in a, an employer or in a work environment.
0: I'm really glad you bring that up because I I don't think we address that too much in in our industry, right? Because it's a a wider problem. It's not necessarily an industry-specific issue, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't address it or it shouldn't be one of the challenges that we're kind of looking at, right? Absolutely. So what about... If you had a magic wand and you could kind of change something about the industry or or change an attitude or something that people ask you for that annoys you, I don't know, anything like that, if you could just magically change something in the industry, do you have any idea what that would be?
1: Um, Well, probably just because I was just talking about it, probably um, work life balance for all of our event professionals out there and our technicians, anybody in any, our hotel partners and all the hospitality workers. I just feel like the best part of our our industry is the wonderful events, but the hours around them and the stress around them and the changes. If I could somehow ma- wave a magic wand and take the stress out of events, but keep the thrill of executing it and the payoff of seeing everybody inspired at the end. Um, that's what I would do. I And that would that would require a lot, Miguel, because, you know, um, you know, the event schedules are crazy in our industry. The hours are crazy stakeholders. Uh, sometimes don't understand deadlines or timelines or the trickle down of the little change they make close to an event, the impact that that has on, on an entire team and maybe even an entire hotel. So if I could wave that wand, it would be everybody have a shared understanding of event logistics and also everybody um, be wiped away of the stress that comes around executing events.
0: Wonderful wishes. I, I wish we could make that happen, but somewhat in the nature of events, I would imagine. So, what about the, the, the you know, how you see events in the future? You know, if you could think of an event in, in five or 10 years' time, do you think it's going to look very different to today? And, and if so, like, what do you think the main differences are? Is, this, is it an AV thing? Is it the way we show up? Is it, are we all going to be wearing VR headsets? I mean, obviously, that might be a bit, uh, a bit utopian, but uh, what do you think?
1: So so I think technology will obviously play a part, right? We've seen just in the very short time that AI has been around what it's been able to do. So technology is gonna be there. Um, But I still think people will come together in events seeking a sense of connection, um, more an in-person connection. And I think to me, um, you know, it'll really be about getting personalized And to figure out what is that connection for that audience, um, what do and how and and creatively how to connect those people across space and time um, and kind of breaking down old and tired event formats and thinking really out of the box, uh, which is scary uh, for a lot of plan A or type A planners um, or, you know, maybe conservative stakeholders. But I think we need to be really in tune with human nature and how people want to work and connect. And, and when we start listening and making decisions around that, and I, I mentioned you know that sense of belonging and inclusion, and designing events around that, I think we can use technology to help get us there. But I ultimately think we want the in-person connection, and and not necessarily to be behind goggles or um, you know in a, in, a, in a room surrounded by technology all day. I, I think we we want to be with people. I think we want to be in nature. I think we want to have all those things apart
0: of our event experience in the future. I do think we want to be a people, so I'm glad you agree there. So um, last sort of general question for you, uh, want to get your thoughts on future uh, you know, young generations in the industry and really advancing their careers. So I guess this is a two part question, which is yeah. how do we attract people into this industry? Because like you said, there's these long hours, the pay yeah. is not necessarily great, uh, and maybe some of those perks of traveling aren't as, aren't, aren't as, uh, you know, desirable these days if people are kind of working remotely or things like that. So I think there might be an issue of, of attracting people in the industry and it's hard to recruit talent. But also once you have the talent, what about people that are wishing to grow in their career? You've already mentioned a bit, but wanted to get your kind of thoughts on how to, how to encourage people to do that
1: yeah sure well i think attracting people into the industry i do think that we need to provide a career path um i think we need to be very intentional about that and that's kind of why i mentioned the encore university and me being so impressed um that you can take classes anytime they're all accessible so that you can pivot and if you are doing operations in hotels and you want to go into something else you can take those classes on your own bubble it up to your manager I think that we need to be more intentional about that about career pathing because um, I think that's how you retain somebody for the long term Is you grow with them and you provide them opportunities. Obviously, it needs to be, um, you you know, it needs to be a fair and safe work environment. Um, Work life balance needs to come into play. I think we really do need to take a look at um, the challenges women face in event industry um, as far as if they have child care, or elder care responsibilities. Um, you know, how are we looking at that with these long hours and and balancing stress? So I think we need to holistically look at the events industry and and really Ask that question: Why would somebody want to work here? Um, you know, and and then design because we're competing for talent that are going to other places that have figured out that balance. Now, I would argue that they don't necessarily have the payoff that we get. And being part of the hospitality industry is where I want to be because it's about service. So I do think that we've got you know values beat. Um, I, I think our values kind of beat any other industry. But um, but so so yes, we need to evaluate that. But then to your second part of the question, you know, you know, what's the advice for people at, advance to advance their career? I would say, like number one, like get out of your comfort zone. It's scary and it's a little cliche, but I think we need to learn as as professionals um, and as folks wanting to grow to be able to cope with a bit of failure and to let go of that perfectionism. That we might have or that risk of failure or that risk of not being good at absolutely everything. I think we just need to accept it. Um, so that would be one piece, and then the second thing I would say is start preparing now for your next role and you might not know what it is, but just stay curious you know take classes upskill, network um, just be. Thinking like I don't really know where the next opportunity is going to come from, but i'm going to do some different things i'm going to maybe volunteer. I'm going to take some classes online. I'm, you know, just, I, I, I think just start kind of preparing now so that you've, you're kind of an, an ever learner and you're continuously invol- evolving. Because I, I think trying new things and stretching yourself, um, I think it's really important, keeps you, you know, you're able to adapt, you're resilient. Um, all of those qualities, I think will, will serve you in your next role. So start now.
0: I really like the ever learner. I think that's a, that's a nice term. I like that ever learner in careers. Um, excellent. Amanda, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, wanted to wrap up there. I really appreciate the time that you spent with us and hope the listeners enjoyed uh, our chat, but I wanted to get your recommendation for somebody else who should be a guest on the podcast.
1: Well, I would say, um, Michael Bush, who is the CEO of Great Places to Work. Um, I was able to see him in an industry event on stage talking about his leadership style and his company and what he's trying to do. And I really respect his mission. Um, so I would say Michael Bush would be the next person to have on the on the podcast.
0: Excellent. We'll try to make that happen. I think it's excellent suggestions. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Amanda, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking us through your journey and your role and all the interesting things that you're looking at at the moment. I think it was very interesting for me and hopefully for our listeners as well. So appreciate your time.
1: Oh, my pleasure. It's always nice chatting with you, Miguel. And um, yeah, until the next time.
0: Thank you very much.